As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Hold That Podcast podcast after a week off. Uh, we are back. I am your host, Chris Branch, along with my co-host, Brody Miller. We are both of The Athletic. Brody, how are you? It's been a couple weeks. I miss your voice. I Tell was going to say, what, what did you on. do with your week off, man? I want to hear all about your life. I mean, I relaxed, if I recall. I, I, I think yeah. I, I didn't do much, and it was glorious. I, I did my normal job, you know, the the, the other part of, of, of my work, Uh trying to keep up with the entire sports world, which is a daunting task when uh, three major sports are in playoff end of season runs and then other sports continue to do things uh, while that happens. So uh, yeah, I was going to say, wait, of, I guess I didn't actually relax. I'm lying to myself. I got looped into the yeah, same uh, yeah, chaos we'll, of last we'll week. We'll get into we that in a bit later. because yeah. you, you did, you did not relax in, um, but it was, it, it helped us, the readers and fans for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I have missed talking about, uh, stupid food things. I have missed getting to express my LSU fandom in a fuller way here than I can in the minute, uh, ways I do it in the pulse newsletter. So and it's uh, funny I that we, you, Brody. I miss you too, my guy. And it's funny that we, nothing else you wise really happened the week we took off. Like we're good. Like, you know, a commit or two. Okay. That's fine. But it, but the biggest college football news, like just the juiciest college football two days. Like I can just ever remember. Like I can't think of any comparison to this happening. Yeah. And, it, and it is connected to LSU. So it, it kind of was LSU, but it is fitting that the week we took off the college football world just went to absolute bonkers mode. That's right. We'll get into it in a second. So for let me give a quick rundown for our listeners to know what's coming ahead. We're going to get into that Saban Jimbo mess. I know that you guys, if you have any connection to the college football board, you heard that. We're going to talk about some updated SEC scheduling possibilities, some recruiting wins, and a loss this morning, if you are uh, on the internet, and some rumors and whispers that our friend Brody Miller is maybe hearing through the grapevines. Um, and of course, we have a last five minutes clubs for you. We cannot not do that ever again. So we're here. Let's start with Saban and Jimbo. Um, let me start off real quick because I, I, I feel like if somebody has not paid attention to this, which I, I have a hard time thinking if th- that they did not. But so just a quick recap. Last week, uh, Nick Saban doing an 
I refuse to believe that Nick Saban like did this not on purpose last mm-hmm. week when he was talking to a group of business people in Birmingham, Alabama, just a few miles from Tuscaloosa. He went on a rant complaining about the NIL structure and what it's doing to college football today. He specifically called out Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher, accused them of, quote, paying for players. He also called out Deion Sanders and Jackson State, which didn't go well for him. Um, I'm convinced maybe that was an error on his part. But the the A&M Jimbo thing, I think, was a very purposeful thing. Um, A, I thought it was to rile up his base to say we're losing ground to my former my former Padawan and I I, I need y'all to get this money flowing. Uh, Jimbo did not take it that way. Jimbo maybe posted one of the most legendary and petulant press conferences I've ever seen an SEC football coach uh, perform, Uh, basically saying that Saban is Darth Vader. Saban is a bad person. Uh, go dig into what Saban has done in his career. He's not God. Uh, we don't pay for players. Blah 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 blah. He said blah. he should be slapped. He called him a narcissist. Yes. Like yes, he called it. It's just like it, it was. It, it was incredible stuff. And I really want to break it all down. So that this feud has simmered now, and Saban tried to apologize, but it was uh, the the cold water did not stop the fire in this situation where Jimbo has given a couple more interviews this past week where he is, he's still mad. I think he's going to be mad for the rest of the season. Um, I, it's, it's just incredible. The entire college football world became engulfed in this coaches, writers, everybody doesn't know what to do. I mean, Lane Kiffin, was even given interviews to our Bruce Feldman, basically saying he'd never seen anything like it and that it was hilarious. Um, it was the perfect May storyline that, uh, captured college football in a moment where nothing was really happening. So um, I will say now that now that we've recapped, Brody uh, wrote a great story along with some of our college football colleagues detailing about how Nick and Jimbo, as older LSU fan listeners of this podcast will remember, uh, really started out at LSU together. They won a national championship together with Jimbo as offensive coordinator, Nick Saban as head coach. And that has always been viewed as a positive relationship. Like these guys have known each other for a long time. They, they won together at LSU. They built something great. And as Brody's story um, really captured, that wasn't always the case. These two guys kind of went at each other and were not the friendliest of people and didn't leave on the best of terms, which really makes this whole thing uh, make a lot more sense. Um, a, a week later, Brody, what, what are your thoughts on the whole situation uh, has your perspective shifted on how crazy it was? Uh, do we have a winner here? I don't even think anybody <laughs> wins in this kind of thing, right? Well, the answer is, I mean, unless I'm wrong, I think Nick Saban will end up winning, right? Like, he was the best yes. team in the country yes, this will. season. He has the most spotless record. He's Unless, like, something <laughs> Unless people actually do follow Jimbo's advice and look at him and find out some wild shit, I assume Nick's not going anywhere. So he probably wins. But, no, I think my takeaway is just, like, it's been a week and I'm still just in awe because we live in such a corporate time in sports, right? Like, like this feels like something that would happen in like the 1980s SEC baseball tournament. You know, like just a different time of sports Mm -hmm. of like actual coaches calling each other out or like Calipari and Chaney going at it in a presser. Yes. Like 
this doesn't happen now because there's so much money and everything's so corporate and social media, you get in trouble, so everything's bot- you know buttoned up. So to live in a time where we get this pro wrestling level chaos is just, I feel so fortunate, Chris. I feel like, I, also for us not to be, not be on the LSU beat was also a nice win considering, you know, we covered basically the craziest beat in the world. But just for it to not be, oh my goodness, like, I just feel very fortunate to get to enjoy watching this as long as there's no actual harm done or anything like that. Um, but to, to your you know point about the story, I think it's also interesting because it reminds us that like, yeah, I don't think Nick and Jimbo like despised each other. I think, but like, you know, I think they had a perfectly respectful relationship and always like had respect for each other. You know, like Jimbo did sit outside the locker room in 2017 when Bama beat Georgia and like waited to congratulate him. You know, like, they don't like it wasn't just like a man I've always hated that guy but what I think this story teaches us is like we sometimes fill in the space that of our own imagination with assuming people who work together were buddies or like mentor and mm-hmm. you know all that stuff because we just assume and it's like hey I think more often than we think it's more like hey they were really good together but they couldn't stand each other like, or, you know, they frustrated mm. each other. And when it was over, it was like, Hey, that was a good six years, but I am ready not to work for him. You know, like that's probably more often than we think because and I, and I would love anyone who hasn't read it to read it. But, you know, I think what the story gets into is like Jimbo. Again, we all fray, frame Jimbo as like Saban's protege who came from that tree and I don't and Jimbo doesn't view himself that way I think is a big part of that story mm-hmm. Jimbo views himself as the Bowden tree and his rant last week actually explicitly said that which I think a lot of people don't realize he considers Terry Bowden this mentor and that whole time he was even with Terry he can like he was getting to know Bobby of course so Bobby was his mentor then he follows him to Florida State to be his coach in waiting and by the way kind of nudges him out but you know that's a whole different thing but like yeah, I, I think that was interesting. And also just learning, like, granted, he was young, man. Like, who isn't a brat when they're a young rising star? But, like, just all these stories from coaches of just Jimbo just constantly complaining about everything Saban did and, like, just getting so mad about the way practices were set up to make the offense look bad and, and just, like, this this dynamic of frustration at all times. And, and of course, there's two sides to this, right? Like, you had plenty of people in that story making clear Saban is really awful to work for. Like, you always mm-hmm. leave it being like, hey, that guy is the best. Like, they respect him. They think he's a god. They learned so much from him. But there's that line from the one former assistant being like, there's a reason nobody can stay more than two years. Like, anyone, like the whole Alabama narrative that, like, you know, he only wants them for a few years and he wants to reshuffle. And that coach, and I don't know if it's true or not, but the coach is like, that's BS. Like, no, no one can stand working for him longer because it is a brutal grind and it's just like mm-hmm. he is a tough guy so yeah i just think it was you know the story it, at least i think it well i guess not foreshadowed it came later but it really does kind of like make us understand now why what happened last week isn't that surprising because jimbo has always had a chip on his shoulder when it comes to the topic of nick saban and i'm sure it's only been strengthened from 15 years as a head coach himself trying to catch up to him I think, yes, I agree with all of that. I, I, I do think there are a couple of fascinating layers here, and especially from an LSU fan's perspective. One, I don't know how to feel. I feel like the two neighbors that I hate got into a fight, and I don't You're know who to root for. You're literally in between state-wise, you know? Like. <laughs> I don't know who to root for, because I don't like either Ooh. of them. I, like, fan-wise, you know, it's not like I, like, 
you know how I, I always profess my love for Lane Kiffin. I think he's funny. I think he's a great coach. Uh, I think he's fun. And I'm just like, I, I don't like either like Saban for his, you know, machine robot that he has built over there and Jimbo who's acting like a child half the time uh, and really hasn't delivered on his big rep just yet. Uh, I, I'll leave that to simmer. Uh, and they're, they're snipping at each other. And I, I can't say like I side with one of them here. I don't think I, I like you. Like, Wait, what? would you rather, because I understand you don't like either and you don't want either to succeed, but would you rather Jimbo, who I believe you probably can't stand more than you can't stand Saban, like, would yeah. you rather Jimbo kind of bring Saban down through all this drama, bring him down, level the SEC a little bit, and yeah, it means Jimbo is probably, you know, now the number two, like, the number two or three school in the SEC above LSU maybe, but like, he levels it like you've always dreamed of. Or would you rather Saban just continue to be the Death Star and just put AM into the ground? Like, which would make you happier in the big picture? I would rather the NCAA dissolve than either of these things really happen. Damn it, Chris. Um, Coward. It's just, b- both are terrible. I, I mean, know. that's why I need you to, to me, my initial thought is I think I would. Here, here is the perfect through line I'm going to hit without sacrificing any of my LSU morals or ideals. I think what's going to happen is I, I think Saban is going to beat the hell out of A&M this year. I think they're the best team in college football probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, A&M, yeah. I think it should be like a 21-point spread. Yeah. Here's the route that I that I can logically see happening and that I would hope happen. If, if, if anything good has to come from this for LSU long term is that Saban wins a national title and retires. <laughs> like, that's the only thing. And then the top spot is vacant a little bit. You know, everybody's we, on, on a yeah. similar playing level. Because I would prefer that than Jimbo kind of establishing, him, establishing himself a little more in this SEC. Because to me, LSU is on the second tier right below Alabama right now. And I would rather be closer to the first year than have somebody else come up. So you're a coward for not answering the question. I just want to let you know. Bertie, you, you gave me an impossible hypothetical. That's the thing. That you, you have to ask yourself, would you rather A&M catch up, but it means Bama at least is level and the SEC is open, or would you rather A&M just get murked? I'm I I'm not going to sacrifice my morals for this hypothetical uh, that you've just come up with, really and then you're acting like I'm a coward. Um, no, all the listeners, please tweet, email back, and tell me how right I am and how unfair Brody is um, no, in this um, regard. It's like your words will not of, change history, um, but I, 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 I you are wanna, like it is possible because we are seeing college basketball coaches retire every other day, like legends, and we're foolish not to think it's at least in part because like. Co- like college sports are just so different and you've accomplished enough and it might just be like man this is tiring i'm ready to kind of i don't want to have to do this world so like yeah i don't think that that third door scenario is possible i do think an interesting part of this is that <laughs> unwittingly saban brought up a distinction in the nil game that i think is worth briefly explaining to fans you know because he said a lot of people are saying well why are you mad about this NIL thing that A&M is doing? Because Texas or Texas Alabama athletes are also getting NIL deals. Bryce, Bryce Young made over six figures last year, apparently. Um, what's the big deal? And same did explain this. And, and, and I think it is an interesting difference where 
Saban is saying how I think this should happen is that an athlete like Bryce Young comes to Alabama and then divorced from the university proceedings, yeah. Bryce Young hires an agent and so he naive. liaises he liaises with local businesses or whoever wants Bryce Young to promote their stuff. And Bryce is making that money outside of Alabama's football program. Meanwhile, places like Texas A&M who are leading in this regard, no matter what Jimbo tells you, and it's very weird how he hates this rep, um, where the school has formed like a, what, what is called a collective and those people are kind of loosely affiliated boosters. Well, yeah, I mean, all, we don't. I mean, we all know, like, that's what it's been sold as for a year. But yeah, like, that's what LSU is kind of doing. But there is a difference. There is. But that's naive. Like that is childish to think that's the reality. And Saban knows that's not the reality. I get he it. Is, I like that's not true. I don't understand why Saban is upset. I don't understand why Jimbo is upset about so the reality that we're in. Hit me. Jimbo's upset because. The numbers being put out there just aren't true. Like they just aren't, and it's hurting him if every recruit the next three years thinks that that's what they're getting, and it's like no, that was never what those kids were getting. So that is why Jimbo has to, to some extent, try to correct this because it is hurting him. And also, like, yeah, I just think yeah, I think there's a lot of elements there. But well, the- two. I think Saban's man, and there are a lot of. I mean, I'm not. This is not my opinion, but these a lot of quotes in that story did not get put in some of the juiciest ones. But there are a lot of people who know Saban well, who have been involved with both coaches long, and they're like, Saban is partially just he can't. He is not okay with losing, and he just couldn't admit that like I got beat. Like he has to do that. Two. I think, and this is not my words, but we had one or two people who know, like, in the recruiting world, I'll put it that way, who basically are like, Nick's mad because he has been able to basically do this stuff more than anyone for a long time, and now it's an open competition. That, I think, is also a secret part of this. But, well, not not even saying I think. That's what some people think. So, yeah, I mean, that's my answer to your question. Jimbo has to do that because it is literally hurting his recruiting ability that these numbers are out there. And Nick is mad because... He's kind of not getting his way for the first time. And one really last thing I'll say on that. One really interesting thing. We had multiple coaches that, again, didn't make this story, but multiple coaches who know Saban well kind of say is like, what makes this so interesting is Nick Saban is the most calculated human being in coaching. And he does not make slip-ups. And that yeah. everything about that is either one of two things. It's either a slip-up, most likely, which one coach was quoted saying basically like, it seems like the first crack in the armor that at 70 you're seeing Saban slip up or you are seeing him get a certain point in his career where he now is like, you know, he's believing the hype about him, I guess is the best way to put it. And that leads to him making comments like this. So like a little bit of, you know, like a kiss the ring thing. So I just think there's so many fascinating elements to this. I I took that a lot of places. I apologize. It's okay. I, I mean, to me, I, I will, I will believe Saban is losing a step the minute he loses more than two games in a season. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying I buy that. Um, and and I think that was a signal to Alabama to be like, can we get our own collective, please? Can we, exactly. Can, can we funnel all this money? And by the way, it's just, funny because Bama's as on top of this as anybody. Like, yeah. they are, at least from what I've gathered, like, again, I, nobody's putting $30 million classes together. People need to realize that's fake. But, like, they are on top of it. They are doing it very well. So I don't get where he's – anyway, go on. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. It's. It, I, I just think. I think both of these guys open themselves up, and I understand that the the two sides of Jimbo here is that if if you if you like Jimbo or you are on his side in this, you're saying, look, he has to he has to dispel rumors. He has to like why like like you said, it's going to hurt him in the future. Blah 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 blah. But like. There was this childish, petulant tone to all this that totally. It's it's the most southern thing I can think of, but it it sounded like you know the phrase "a hurt dog hollers," like it sounded yeah. like Saban Saban's accusation really got to the core of it, and like Jimbo's acting like he has no idea what's going on with nil collective stuff, which like I don't believe for a second. I mean, I, I have no sourcing or no reporting behind that, but that seems ridiculous to me. And then Jimbo. I think he took it too far because he's saying, you know, go look into Saban. Go look into that man. Oh. He's got a dirty pass. I'm like, my dude, you were there for a lot of it. <laughs> and no matter yeah. how much like stories get written like y'all's and whatever about how they didn't get along, like you were involved, my guy. Your hands are dirty. He's talking a lot of cash shit. And let's hope that nobody cashes it out. No reporters. No, There's no stories about anything that Jimbo has done in the past. Maybe if he's done anything. He acted like he's never done one illicit recruiting thing, not once ever, never been involved in something like that, which I don't believe for a second because every one of these top tier programs has done that. I, I just, I thought it was breathtaking about how, <laughs> you know, he overstepped coming back against Saban and maybe he thought that this was his time to let it all out. But like, yeah, I, know. I thought, it, I thing. thought he, I thought he opened himself up to a lot of criticism, a lot of possible future stuff. And you're pissing off God over there, who's going to beat you by 28 points at minimum next year in Tuscaloosa, and rub your nose in it. I like. I, I thought it was oh, a huge you're misstep. Absolutely right. Yeah. I, I mean, wish. I, I wish that he would have said these numbers aren't right, but like clearly Nick's mad, and I mean we're coming for him, and that's it. Like. But, that's so the thing. Stupid. I mean, because there, there's multiple quotes in the story, too, of being like, man, it was all so predictable. Like, he couldn't just let it go and think, like, he let screw it go. him, I got him. He just can't. And multiple people in the story say he was being childish. So it's just like, yeah, he could have, Jimbo could have actually been the winner in this, which Jimbo is rarely the winner in these things. But that's not who Jimbo is. Jimbo is this, like, hot-tempered, very hot-tempered, emotional yeah. guy. And also, we're, we'd be naive to not think, and I touch on this in the story, there's a little bit of like just wanting your dad to say he's proud of you. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Just yes. a little. I'm not like, don't put, you know, don't like say I'm saying that's what happened here, but like a little of like he just wanted this guy who he does respect and he does look up to, despite all these things I said, like 
to just be like, hey, like, hey, he just beat him this fall and beat him in recruiting. Like, just he just wanted, I don't know. I think there's a lot of I'm not even saying you want him to say I'm proud of you, but just to like to not then diminish everything he just did, which is, by the way, literally what Saban did. Like literally. It did. So it did. yeah. That part, like on a human level, I understand. Like that's you know me. Like I don't get pissed off and I get pissed when somebody does something like that and like belittle. So yeah, I get it. He's he wanted a tip of the cap and say, Good you know, you got me for a year instead of being like, You're cheating and you're the worst. Or not just say you cheated. You know, yeah. Like <laughs> God, yeah, so oh I my can god, I, I just can't wait. Like, temper. this has filled up the vacuum of our off season, and like I said, LSU it's was true. just sitting here filming on our phone from the window inside the house without a clue of what's going to happen next between the two neighbors we don't like. It's very weird for LSU to not be in a mess of somebody's creation, and who knows? Maybe we'll have a story about some early two thousands recruits uh, being, uh, you know, a, a bad bad time. But current LSU does not have a stake in this besides on the field in this fall. And it's very weird to say that, uh, you know, this is the era of boring LSU, I guess. And I welcome it. Um, <laughs> well, for, oh yeah. So I forgot, though, forgot to mention this first off. Yeah. The fact that Brian Kelly for the first time, really all off season is no longer the biggest joke and the, or the biggest thing everyone's laughing at. Amazing. That's probably LSU fans probably feeling good about that. But two, what a bummer just for, drama and you know possibilities then ed ogeron is not around for the world the pro wrestling era of sec coaching it really is can you imagine him in one of these like squabbles i mean just it could have been better than anything like imagine mad ed and i'm just kind of bummed we don't get to see that or like him at media days just like being a troll a little bit i'm a little bummed look i'm gonna say like i was just about to say some espn sec network whoever like sign Ed to a 10 day contract, put him in Destin, uh, let him just sit there with a microphone and a headset on and talk about what all these coaches are talking about and, and <laughs> get him gone. That would be must watch TV. I don't know. I don't see the downside. Um, no, me neither. Maybe Ed doesn't do it because he has more money than God right now. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, this is something that's going to set up for a great fall. I mean, the, the week before A&M Alabama is just going to be, a great but also insufferable week uh, of storylines about this. We are going to hear about this for so long. So enjoy it while you can before it gets beaten into the ground. Um, oh, let's move on. We did have an interesting scheduling possibility. So a little background. Uh, the NCAA last week said basically gave guidance that all conferences don't have to have division winners meet in a conference championship game or to like legitimize a conference championship game. Like most conferences do right now, the big 12 before it was like a round Robin situation. They didn't have really divisions, but now all those are off the table. And with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, we briefly talked about this last episode when we riffed on, you know, where should this neutral ninth game be? But so Ross Dellinger and SI this morning had a story about how the SEC is down to these two scheduling models. One is an eight-game schedule. Which and the Athletic has written this as well. The Athletic has written this as well. I'm sorry. I'm just going off the new news this morning. Or a nine-game schedule, and which is, you know, people would expect with the two new teams coming in. But these are the meetings are next week, right, Brody? Yeah. Yes. And be, um, meetings are in Destin next week, correct? Yeah. Destin. Um. So the two formats is the eight game is a one seven model, which is 
you have one permanent opponent and then your other seven conference opponents rotate. The nine game would be a three, six model, three permanent opponents and six rotating. Um, Correct. I don't really know how I feel about this birdie. Do you, do you lean one way or the other here? I mean, the, yeah, the so, one seven model was kind of new to me. I, I, I always assumed it was going to be nine. Um, well, I think it's, it's okay. It, so the big thing yeah. is the eight game. Mo- I first off, all indications that we've gathered are the nine game model, the three six is the most likely to happen. And there are like 30 yeah. different models being proposed. And there's a possibility in Destin that like something new takes over. I mean, we saw what happened with the playoff, right? But right. the the tension going on right now is very much like a power versus bottom thing of I mean the the big schools want nine because one that's just more money obviously you know it's nine SC more SEC games the better and two like it honestly is going to build schedules more and like if you are one of the best teams you're getting in the playoff anyway I guess there's some element of that while the bottom eight if you want to call it that I don't think it's gonna it's literally split in half or anything but the lower teams it's like nine games is going to hurt them with bowl eligibility you know like they need not need, but it would help them to have one more non-conference game, you know, to get that fourth or third or whatever, like kind of easier win. And if you go to nine conference games and you're um, Missouri, Vanderbilt's the better one, but Missouri, it's like your chance, you know, six and six is your norm. All of a sudden, maybe it's five and seven now because you're adding Florida or whatever. I don't know. Right. So that's going to make this really interesting. But down to the models. Yeah, I just don't know how you don't. One seven is hard for me to wrap my head around just because like then you're acknowledging that like because every SC team really has three or four, at least in the West, like real rivals, right? Like genuine, like hate each other. This matters rivalries. And I guess with one seven, you're still going to see him pretty darn often. So maybe it doesn't matter. You know, you're pretty much going to see him every other year. So maybe it's all move point. But the idea of, okay, let's say hypothetically the only one that gets kept is for L- – like who would LSU's one even be? Because Ole Miss, That's Mississippi that, State – I have no idea. Ole Miss, Mississippi State ain't going anywhere because Ole Miss would have made a lot of sense to me. But that's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's – and A&M would make a ton of sense. But I, I kind of think if it's 1-7, there's a pretty good chance one that's going to be it's A&M, Texas. Texas. Unless yeah. – no, but actually no because Texas, Oklahoma could need to play each other. That actually is more history. Right. So, you know what? Mm-hmm. Maybe A&M's the answer there, and that would actually make a lot of sense. Like, it's not going to be – LSU Arkansas will be a pretty boring pick, but it, I guess that might actually make the most sense. It would be, good. Yeah, it would be it's great not be for LSU my Bama. rooting interest. So, what's that? It would be great for my rooting interest. I would be – Yeah, but college football is about fun. Man. Like, I guess you're still playing good teams, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, so, yeah, it's like I just have a hard time with that, but maybe I'm getting a little too old school in my thinking and I'm just wrong. But 3-6 makes the most sense because you are preserving a good amount. Now, what I'm interested by, though, is, and I don't know all the details on this, so if I'm if you know the answer to this, tell me I'm wrong, but, like, if you go 3-6, does that basically mean it's a pod format or not? That's the thing. Like, like they're saying it's not a pod format, but I'm like, my guy, this because is Because it doesn't a have format. to be, right? It doesn't but have it's to like be. It, it doesn't mean that the three teams you're playing are all playing each other. Doesn't have. Oh to. right, okay. That that I mean that that makes it complicated. But like, I get that. So like, LSU I think I'm just play... realizing this on air because I actually just submitted it in a in a roundtable we're doing that I'm like I don't know if this is, you know because yeah I think what's tricky is like okay I that can't imagine LSU and Bama being though. in the same pod you know like just in terms of balancing out the conference 
in terms of like you obviously need Bama and Auburn to be playing each other, all that. So it's I think I talked to one LSU source who his immediate guess was like A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas would make a lot of sense for LSU's three. Kind of balanced. Yeah. You're still getting some powers in there. Like Ole Miss isn't mm-hmm. an easy game, but it's not the brutal one. It's actually geographically makes a lot of sense. So yeah. I'm like, that actually makes sense. But if it's a pod system, that doesn't make as much sense because not putting A&M and Texas together is hard to explain. See, but then the, it's like... The- Oh, sorry, last thing. Like a pod of like, because the most like makes sense pod you could do would of not LSU, but like would be A and M, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, right? That just makes like a shitload of mm-hmm. sense. But like that's mm-hmm. then you're just doing the Big Twelve. <laughs> like so it's like I don't know if they'd like that either. Any, but anyway, continue. It's just so the three permanent opponents not in a pod to me. I feel like Charlie Day uh, with the red strings <laughs> up on the board because it's like. That I was never the best at math, but like that math hurts my brain in trying to make that work with three, like everybody having three permanent opponents and without a division. Like it, it's just, uh, I mean, and, and on the other side, to be honest, like the one seven, I was thinking, you know, you said, you said in the West, but like in the East, I can't imagine uh, Tennessee not playing Florida and Georgia every year. Historically. Um, I can't imagine like, Auburn not playing one of Alabama and Georgia every year. Like, yep. I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I would love to see a three, six schedule. That is not a pod schedule. That would be fascinating. Um, but the thing is, I mean, for all this chatter, like this is coming. One one of these is happening. We are probably losing divisions. Divisions are going away. Yeah. That is the truth. Which is like, it, it is a very weird thing for this 32 year old fan who grew up, with SEC West rivalries, and in when I was growing up, SEC East was a stronger division with Spurrier and Phil Fulmer and oh, wow. all that. So it is it's weird. It's it's like I love divisions for my simple brain, right? Just being able mm-hmm. to be like, this is straightforward. Like you were battling for the West each year, but yeah, it just makes no actual sense. Like well, there's zero need for it. So I and I think the thing that's gonna be tough for people like you and me is just yeah, we're so tied to all these things being steady. Like so much of this is about the fundamental issue of like players would go four years not playing a certain school and like all that. So as much as like we might be sacrificing, I don't know, LSU Ole Miss each year, which is a good rivalry, no doubt about it. Like you are still going to see them every other year. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's great. And it's just going to be better to be able to be like, hey man, got to go to Tennessee this year. That's a great stadium. Got to go to uh, shoot like Florida, uh, Georgia. You know, just like I think that is. That positive outweighs losing one or two good rivalries. And I just think we need to unfortunately get over it. But it is weird. It's going to be hard for my brain to accept. I'm totally for it. Uh, One, we avoid the reality that was Missouri making two straight SEC title games when they joined the division because the SEC East was so bad and they just lined up to get walloped by whoever won the SEC West. Um, Two, I think back to the 2008 game or 2018 game here uh, at Georgia where – I feel like I couldn't even talk shit to those fans because I was like, hey, who who are you? How are you doing? I don't really know you guys. Like, um, good to <laughs> see you on funny. campus. You haven't been here in 15 years. Like, <laughs> I'll, like I'll, I'll see you guys in two like, decades. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah. Um, that's funny. <laughs> Can't even be like, we beat you last year. It's like, that, I haven't seen you in a long time, y'all. So How's, how's your mother th- doing? Yeah. Yeah, um, I know. I, I, I think it's going to be great. I'm fascinated to see what happens. Um, the debate I is, got into with a buddy, and I'm curious your thoughts on, though, is like, who is this good 
because I think it's safe to say it's going to be bad for the the rest of the SEC East that isn't Florida and Georgia, right? Like that's probably yes. obvious. But mm-hmm. is it good for Ole Miss hypothetically? That's the best. Like, is it good for the middle to bottom West teams? Because you're going from being sixth out of seven in the West. Not saying Ole Miss is sixth, but you get like my point. Like in Arkansas, to now I don't know eighth out of sixteen or you know ninth. You know like. That is kind of a big difference. Maybe that's better for them because this one person I knew who knows Ole Miss, covered Ole Miss for a long time, uh, a former job, is like, like, Ole Miss is terrible for Ole Miss. And I'm like, how? Because before, let's use the example of the Chad Kelly year, right? Like, they were the second best team in the SEC, but didn't get to go to the conference title, even though it was a terrible right. year in the East. Like, mm-hmm. this is better for that. How is that not better? And I get the point that, like, a lot of other years, it means you're going to fall down to re- relevance, but like, I think this is so much better for those other West teams. It's probably amazing for LSU, by the way. We didn't even mention that part of it. LSU uh, could LSU could play Alabama in the SEC title game every year after losing <laughs> one game. But it means, one, you might avoid Alabama every year. Like, not every mm-hmm. year, but you don't have to yep. play them every year. And, two, it just means you could lose to Bama and still be, yeah, like 11-1 and one and be in the conference title. Like, that's huge. I agree. That's huge for A&M. That's huge for a lot of teams. But it's probably bad for... Florida or you know who probably isn't going to be going 12 and 0 anytime soon so I agree I mean and, and you think about the you talk about the Mississippi teams it's like would would state would have won the uh, gone to the SEC title game the year that they were like number one in the country for a few weeks oh, I looked it up and then I lost track was that 2015 I want to say it was I'm um, blowing up you keep talking um, yeah I, I I think it's equality I, I I think that the the interesting thing we're going to find after after that is like there's going to be even more scrutiny put on the league office about scheduling. Yeah. Because it's like which week team had an easy schedule this year and you know went 8 and 1 in conference and and missed LSU, Alabama and Georgia. And then all yep. of a sudden they're going into an SC title game against one of those three teams or A&M or whoever and then they're going to get beat 48 to nothing. But to me, you know, and and this going forward, say in 10 years the East is a lot more balanced, a lot better than the West was. And it's like, what if Florida and Georgia are the two best teams in the SEC and, you know, clearly deserve to be there. I just, I think it's a, it's a great system. I think we need to shed this old, the old format we have in our head. And for every team, it's like every, every LSU team has been like, well, I'm not even going to believe this season is good for us unless we get past Bama because they're going to win the West. That's a great point. And, and it just reframes the Atlanta. way you view a whole season. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Also, to answer your question, yes, Mississippi State, because Missouri won the East that year. But granted, it was a really good Missouri team. They went like 7-1 and one in the East. But still, yeah. like, if things were all Did, level and you didn't have divisions, first off, Mississippi State was better. They were 10-2 and two and 6-2 and two in the West. But two, like, the record might have been even better if it was balanced. So, yes. Right. I mean, that's that, that's the thing. And, you know. Especially with Georgia looking more like the Alabama of the East, it's like, you know, uh, whoever yeah. over there, probably Florida more like it, is is going to not have to worry about that game overall. So I, I think it's That's great. I'm true. fascinated to see what comes out of it. Um, yeah, next week. And, and I assume that, that that will probably, if there is a change next week, we'll probably see it in 2023, I assume. I, SEC has proven they have the ability to fast track stuff like that. So I, I hope. I do. Yeah, and I think we'll get news yeah. on it sooner and later. Yeah. Great. I uh, love to hear it. Look at progress in the SEC. Who knows? Um, yeah. Let's move on quickly to some recruiting wins and losses. You know, in, in, in the background of Saban and Jimbo, 
Brian Kelly got a couple of nice recruits, um, kind of playing the national game here. Uh, but then lost one this morning, a Zachary quarterback committing to Alabama. Um, any thoughts on the recruiting trail, Brody? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty positive, right? Brian, the whole Brian Kelly can't recruit situation is being slowly <laughs> um, maybe disproven. Well, first, yeah, first of all, like, this is not correcting it to you. I just mean, like, to a lot of people. Uh, I think the quarterback thing has been tricky to, like, tiptoe around because I think it's easy to be like, LSU just lost a Baton Rouge area top 100 quarterback but Mm -hmm. it's like lsu was never in it really for eli holstein like whether it was kelly or ogeron or because quite frankly and this is like harder to write like holstein was never going to go where walker howard went basically let's put it that way like they came up together you know play like always playing AU ball or whatever seven on seven all that stuff like he was not going to follow walker howard it was always probably going to be like one goes to Bama, one goes to LSU or some version of that, right? So that part is worth clarifying. Like, yes, LSU did make some inroads lately. They did get him on campus. Like, I actually do think that Joe Sloan did a good job, but realistically, he was never coming here. And that's hard to kind of like sometimes present in a way that's not like, a lot, I don't know, misleading people. So that's not like some bad loss to me. I think LSU was – and yeah – they're not going to get Arch realistically, but they are still in it, you know. But realistically, and I think I wrote this in a piece two weeks ago, the quarterback comp- like for LSU is really about five-star Dante Moore from Detroit, um, Jaden Rashada from California, another five-star, and Ricky Collins, the really good uh, you know, high four-star from Woodlawn, who you know is currently a Purdue commit but is getting major offers, so I think he's going to go somewhere yeah. big. Now, I think it's always going to be really about those three. And do I know which they'll get or do I know if – I mean, you never know. They might get none. That's how quarterback recruiting works sometimes. But I just think it's worth saying, like, art, like it's going to look weird when history looks back and says, like, wow, Louisiana had this amazing year – and LSU let both quarterbacks leave, like both five-star-ish quarterbacks, that is going to look weird. But it's just not quite, like, indicative of reality. I think it's just the thing I feel the need to correct sometimes. Like, yeah, now if they miss on Shelton Sampson and uh, – sorry, I'm trying to pull something up. uh, Louisiana rankings. But, yeah, if they miss on Shelton Sampson and uh, and, uh, Jay Nosberry and Derek Williams and, you know, that – oh, yeah, or Tackett Curtis too – that you can talk about and have real conversations, and that's what we're going to find more out about these next, honestly, few weeks. Because to mm-hmm. your actual question, yeah, I think Kelly's recruiting pretty well. He's got six, all basically, you know, basically ranging from the number ninety-seven player to the two hundred one. That's that sweet spot where LSU always should thrive. They're doing good. They got two good commits in Austin, Dylan Austin, and Trey Holly. Like, yeah, it's going well, and I think June is going to tell us real answers, though, because LSU, because right, this is the twelfth class in the country. Like, LSU should by default live there. And that's fine for Kelly. Good job. You're doing your job. But can he land the big fish they're in it for? And they're in it. They are getting huge fish on campus all through June. They have huge D linemen, edge rushers, huge receivers, great quarterbacks. Like, they got the guys coming, which is half the battle. Because right. they're not guys that LSU automatically gets on campus. But can you win those? And I think these June will give us a lot of answers on one, I think they're going to either get these guys or they're going to go somewhere else. So we'll really know. So, yes, I think Kelly's clearly things are going in the right direction. But I'm, I'm repeating myself, but we still don't know if he can land the big fish yet. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and the interesting thing in this new world is that, you know, before I would have, when you talk about Holstein, I'm like, why do we even have this guy on campus? Like, it sucks. Like, you know, I'm sure he'll do great at Alabama. But now it's like, what if he doesn't play for a year or two? And all of a sudden, Brian Kelly made it and Joe Sloan made a good impression on him and he wants to transfer great back point. to LSU. It's like, yeah, at least put in put in a good time with him and like maybe maybe point. down the road, we all these guys come around. Um Honestly, that's like I'm glad you said that because yeah, that that is Brian Pullian even the recruiting coordinator kind of said like that is half of recruiting now is you have to think of it that way. And you're right, like in my head, even as I just talked, I was just like, yeah, I guess like him getting on campus didn't really mean anything. And it's like, no, actually, yeah, that is recruiting for two years from now, three years from now. So that's a great point. And like you know, Brian Kelly's going to be here, so it's not like a an Ed Ogeron situation or anybody where it's like, uh, they might be on thin ice. Like we'll see. Like you're yep. kind of showing them the new the new house that you just built. So because let's uh, not rule out I'm, the possibility that say like, hey, okay, there's a real chance Nuss wins the job this year, right? So say that happens. Ooh, and then if he wins, into our rumors for- and whispers, huh? Good no, segue. Just, whoa, we're not there yet, but I'm just saying. Like, I mean, I've been writing for two months that he is in the competition, right? So like, <laughs> let's know. say hypothetically, he wins it. Okay, if mm-hmm. he wins it, he's starting for two years unless he's bad. Is Walker going to be fine with sitting both years? Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, you're redshirt mm-hmm. sophomore, you start. That's not that bad. But like, maybe Walker then is like, I got to go after two yeah. years. And mm-hmm. so then come 2025, you need a real quarterback. And then it's like, or 2024, you need a quarterback. Oh, wait, maybe Eli Holstein didn't win the job over Ty Simpson by then. And you know what I mean? Like these yeah. chess pieces could come into play a lot. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. Yep. It's it's it sounds very stressful from a recruiting point of view, but I trust yes. Brian Kelly and staff to uh, make a good impression on everybody. Hopefully, um, I'm encouraged. I mean, I'm not. I like from a fan perspective, I wasn't really too worried about it because I think biasly that LSU recruits itself, especially for kids like Trey Holly. You know, from Farmerville. Yeah. But like, I, and there's such good football talent in the state. Um, but it's. It's just good to see. It's good to see some results, and I and I know that it's very early in this cycle anyway. So, um, yeah, it's good to know. Let's uh, well, let's, just let's uh, move on. just like uh, thirty seconds, just to kind of like let our listeners know, like the ones to really, because as much as I, you know, I do agree with you. That's the beauty of LSU. You should win those battles. Like, it's gonna yeah. be a really telling year for Kelly. Just I'll I'll paint the picture real quick. Like Shelton Sampson is a five star who's getting recruited by everybody receiver out of Baton Rouge, and it's like, yeah, you should get him. So, but still. That's not going to be easy at all. And then Jay Nosberry, his brother, you know, top 50 linebacker, really good. His brother just went to Auburn last year. So, you know, the Osberries don't feel like they have to follow their dad there. So that's going to be a really tough one that I've heard. Like, real bummer. Matt House real is, bummer, by the way. Right? So, like, Matt, they're fighting off, you know, like Auburn and a bu- Notre Dame, a bunch of really good schools for Osbury. Michigan, I believe, is in there. Like, so don't assume that's a given. Derek Williams is another guy who, yeah, I think LSU's in very good position with, you know, top 50 safety from New Iberia, but like Alabama, Auburn, you know, Florida, a lot of really good schools are in it with him. So that's not a given. And then Tackett Curtis is a big one. The, the really, you know, 
really good top 100 linebacker from many. Uh, is it Manny? I don't know how you say that. I've never been there. Uh, Manny. Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ohio State has been a heavy front runner with him for a while. Like, so I'm just painting the picture that like LSU should be in it for each one of those guys, but none of those are givens, which is why I just keep repeating. Like, I really think we're going to find out about Kelly, the recruiter. I can't wait. Um, quick aside, Brady, what, what are the top four Louisiana city names that you have been surprised by and how they're pronounced? Like simple. Well, that one's tough like because it doesn't have a second M. So it's like, it should be many, like it shouldn't be Manny by default. But like, um, do you know about, do you know about Iowa? No. Well, Bossier <laughs> city was a like that. I know it now, obviously I've been here like four years. Oh, did you say city it? Was a I mean, or like, I think 90% of people would read that and then be like, you wouldn't get Bozier. Of course you wouldn't get Bozier. Like, <laughs> no reasonable person would look at that and be like, oh, yeah, it's Bozier. Yeah, like, that's not how that works. So, yeah, that I, was a surprise. I had to learn that one. Um, look, when, when, when there's a kid coming out of Iowa, just, just know that it's spelled like the state and it's pronounced Iowa. See, Indiana has, like, the, I remember the Indy Star about four years ago did, like, a, a, very, a great video basically being, like, here's every town in Indiana that you, like, Brazil, Indiana. Nope, Brazil. Uh, yeah, see, like, I, like hey, uh, oh there's one that looks like it should be Peru. It's like Peru. There's Versailles <laughs> instead of Versailles. Like, yeah, Indiana's Indiana's different because it's more like, <laughs> wow, it's going to sound me. It's more like it feels like an idiot is just reading it wrong. Mm-hmm. At least Louisiana's like, this is our Louisiana flair on it. Like, this is our French yeah, like right. reading. It, <laughs> Indiana's right. like, no, we just read it wrong and then said, no, <laughs> that's how we're going to say it. It's literally like in. calling Native Americans Indians because we're wrong and being like, no, 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 no. We're going to keep calling you it. It's literally like that. I, re- I remember I felt like such a city kid. We, um, I went to Parkview Baptist in Baton Rouge and we played Iowa in a, um, I think it was a playoff football game. And like, I found out that they pronounced it Iowa and I was like, what is this country shit that I just came across? <laughs> that actually blows my mind. That I like, know that. I, you know. You know, I'm from I'm from Louisiana, and you know where everybody thinks that outside that I'm riding my Piro to school and I got a gator as a pet. But I'm like, I live in the capital of the city, and like we we learn to pronounce Iowa correctly, and they're out there talking about Iowa. But it's it's a great quirk. Uh, I I love that stuff. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, you mentioned Nussmeyer. Let's just briefly say that you have heard that um, he's still he's still in it. I mean, I, I know we haven't had any. Any practices since, but what what's the latest on the quarterback situation? Yeah, and this isn't like breaking news or anything. And to some extent, it bounces off, you know, basically what I had written in April that like, hey, guys, Nussmeier might be having the best spring. But just talking to a lot of people who, you know, you know, for what it's worth, LSU just did their coaching caravan stops, right? So they basically went across the state to different – and, yeah, they do media, but it's also like really it's booster, you know, in like fan service stuff where they're talking to these people off the record and all that. And just talking to a lot of people around there, there is very much a sense that, and you never, again, you never, I'm not saying what a coach says is also hundred percent the reality, but there's been a growing sense that if the season ended right now, Garrett Nussmeyer might be the guy. And I think that is surprising to a lot of people, even as somebody myself who literally wrote like, I think Nuss is having the best spring. You guys should put him in the mix more. It's still surprising to hear it might be that far along. I think they do have concerns about Daniel's accuracy, which I have been on from the start. Um, and I think Brennan, and again, not my opinion, because I think Brennan is actually a really big play guy who can do a lot. But 
I think there's a thought to some that Brandon kind of just is what he is. You know, he's just this like solid, smart quarterback. And not saying I believe that, but so I think that's just something that's just kind of the buzz I'm hearing right now that Nussmeyer is actually maybe in the lead a little more than we think. But I will be the first to also say Kelly flat out told us that they didn't really run like implement the offense yet. Like spring was pretty much teaching and like learning and getting to know these guys. They have not put in like specific stuff or what this offense is really going to be or what's going to make certain guys look better. So we will find out so common sense, right? But we will find out so much more in fall. I don't think spring is real, but it's just worth putting on your radar. Nussmeyer might be, eh, might be a little bit of a front runner. We're staking our claim to be the first LSU uh, media uh, entity to say that this could happen, and we're also hedging to say that we we weren't wrong if he doesn't win the job, right? That's half of my life, man. Yeah, it's just Love it. constant. Love it. I'm a gambler, as you know. Yeah, just you know, let's 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 you know, let's put a five dollars on that and another ten we on put, that. You know, let's balance the odds. We put we put five on Nussmeyer at like plus twenty five hundred, and we're letting it ride. Absolutely. All right, let's get to our our favorite last segment, the last five minutes club. Um, I do want to start out with saying, to to recap, I know it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, I enjoyed all of your pastelaya takes. I'm still yeah, surprised great. by the vitriol that such a nice dish really inspires among our community. Uh, next week, Brody, I'm holding you to this. I am making pastelaya. I'm coming over to your house. Oh my God. And we are going to record live together while this we eat pastelaya. Oh my God. I yes, know. that sounds fantastic. I'm in. I, mean, uh, I can also we, just go we, to your porch we, if you'd like, but yeah. We, we could do that. I'm a little worried about the wind out here from, from Yield Lake Pontchartrain blocks from my house. That's true. Hurricane season um, is coming. So uh, I think. Oh, I'm in. Great Sold. plug, by the way. Um, so I'm going to make it, I I got a bunch of recipes from people. I'm going to probably make my own recipe out of some, some stuff there. Um, and we're going to do it because I think pasta, like it's slandered. Um, I got an email from our, uh, super listener, Catherine Briley, shout out to you. She said a lot of what I think too, is that the people who are like nitpicking about pasta are really like abandoning what makes all the Southern Louisiana food. Great. Is that you are making something wonderful out of what you have. That is such a fantastic point by Catherine, as normal, as usual. That's so but it's, true, it, man. It, 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 it's so true. It's like, we didn't have any rice today, and we, I got pasta, and let's make something delicious. And people were like, this is sacrilege. I'm like, what is sacrilege about, you know, making a delicious dish like, out in of In what food? world should Cajuns be allowed to be bougie? Yeah, like the entire... <laughs> What I mean by that is the entire found to your exact in Catherine's point, the entire basis of Cajun cooking is what can we get in like around us? Yeah, like that's it. And it's Cajun jambalaya is like we don't have tomatoes, so we're gonna do it this way. Like that is literally it. Oh, so, yeah, you're gonna I'm, get. I, I, I didn't say that. Brady said that. D- direct all of your tomato based. You you don't even want to go in the tomato versus that. I wrote a whole discourse. feature on that two years ago. I had a lot of responses. I know, man. I know. I, it, I am people well feel strongly either way. It is funny, by not, the way. I gotta say this really quickly. I am one thousand percent team Cajun jambalaya. Like overall, like it's not even close. Yeah, but, I am too. But the my favorite one I've ever had is tomato, which no, you know, no. I contain multitudes. Um, yeah, like that's what's not hard a tomato for me. Guy. Ninety. I know this was just one that is perfectly executed every time, and it is just fantastic. 
and it's like well balanced and the tomato isn't like adding a tomatoey flavor it adds more of like a certain i don't know savoriness but like but 99% of the time i'm cajun so is that fair that's fair well we're not putting tomatoes in the pasta next week i i'm we are making not. an executive okay, call there um you spoke about hurricanes brody there has been multiple <laughs> stories about is this how, the last 5 minutes uh, club we are prompt prob- yes it is that i i came oh, up with it today okay let's do it uh Multiple stories about a possible bad hurricane season ahead of us in South Louisiana, which none of us are a uh, stranger to. Um, whether you've lived here for 35 years or if you lived here for one, we've all been through a hurricane now, especially after Ida last year that displaced both Birdie and I and a ton of people uh, in a lot of worse situations down south. If you're still dealing with that, we're thinking about you, especially with hurricane season approaching. Yep. So... Let's have a Got little my fun. roof replaced uh, four days, uh, three days ago, actually, just so you know. Yep. Perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, Ten months. Brody, like, I know you haven't been, in a, and I know you guys left for Ida. Um, do you have a hurricane snack or a hurricane drink that you're like, this is going to come for me in this time, and this is going to make it more fun? Oh, I bet Clara has a really good one. Yeah. Um, okay. I think I'm trying to think, like, what would be mine. I don't know if I have, like, one that comforts me, but I'm trying to think of something that would be a good, like, multi-use. This, this, also, like, this also kind of functions, if we want to zoom out, it's, like, the non-perishable snacks that yes. you would bring to the to the uh, the classic desert island. Yes. No, I love this question. I'm trying to think, like, I think the first thing that popped in my head is kind of like a peanut butter pretzel situation, you know, the peanut butter filled pretzels. Mm-hmm. Just because, okay. like, that kind of checks that box of, like, it's a light snack in theory, but it also is very like, I don't know, has like it's filling and feels like you're eating something somewhat substantial when you're eating it. Like that right. kind of checks a lot of what you need in that situation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. something like that pops to mind. I'm not even saying that's my actual answer, but that's my first thought. But I'm sure you have a really good one. It's So mine is divisive. It's also a reason I wanted to bring this up because I have told people about it. Um, and it really depends on how you feel about Vienna sausages. Do you like Vienna sausage, bro? <laughs> I'm fine with them. Yeah. Like, I'm not a snob. I'll eat them. Absolutely. My wife wants to puke whenever they are even. She can smell them. A lot of She's a pickier eater. Well, a lot of people think they're just as a gross processed tube meat, which they are correct. I want <laughs> to say 100%. Tube meat. I don't like that. That lost Yeah. And, and they last through a nuclear bomb. But for some reason, hurricanes growing up. Me, and it was mostly my dad. It's you put, you get a saltine cracker, which you should have in the cabinet as a Southern Louisiana person. Absolutely. You, you either put the whole Vienna sausage or you chop it up a little bit and then you just put some plain yellow mustard on top. If you've got Creole mustard, great. And you just eat that. And it's very filling and it's very distinct, is the word I like to say for the smell and the, the, the flavor and the texture. Um, I love it. I would take a carton the, for Ida. I bought out like 10 cartons, uh, 10 little things of Vienna sausages. And like every time I even open it, it's war in my house. And so I still have like five left because I don't, I don't want to. You and, really and messed like, up that grocery store's supply line because they were like, I guess we need to buy a bunch of Vienna sausage, even though you were actually yeah. the only person who wanted it. Yeah. They're, they're like 70122. Those guys, I even try like the spicy versions, which I don't know if I'd go for the flavored version. I was just time. looking online. I'm like, I would eat that. Yeah. But they're pretty good, but it's like it's it's a little artificial too, <laughs> because it's like, uh, oh, here so is you feel the artificial, artificial nature more. Yeah. Yes, yes, you do. So like, it's not the the pure version. I would I would rather add it in some form of hot sauce. Um, 
Ooh, okay. I can see that. No, I love this. I'm going to... Tr- I've never done that as a hurricane snack, so I'm going to add that to the Well, because, yeah, it, it, arsenal. it's great. Um, it's really... I think of it when I'm at my house, the power is out for an extended period of time, and we have to do that because, you know, we left this year for Ida. I know you guys did too, but... A lot of people who don't leave or don't leave right away, you know, a lot of people stay out the storm and then, you know, pack up and leave after that because they want And if it's less than a four, I'm probably staying and you'll still be out of power. So like, yeah. Right. So you got to prepare and like, we're getting close to that time, man. So um, what I want to hear is from everybody, uh, I guess, is the hurricane emoji too mean for that birdie? (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think I want to set that precedent. Uh, yeah. Uh, give me, send me the lunchbox, lunchbox emoji. I like it. Good call, um, sir. Good pivot. Email, tweet, and we're all going to help each other here because also I want to vary up my hurricane snacks that I want to Wait get soon second. before <laughs> before, <laughs> before they before they run out. So I'm going to make skyline chili my new uh, hurricane snack. It's oh canned. God, don't do that. It's not perishable. Um, I have a oh few cans because for some reason the Winn Dixie in Mid City inexplicably has like them constantly stocked with Skyline. It's the only place south of because like, nobody Tennessee else is buying ever it. Seen it. But no, that's what I'm saying. It's like why do they have it? I don't know. But no, it, I think it does well there because we've all there's a decent contingent of of like Cincinnati loving people here, so they've all gone and got it. And yeah, man, I got like six cans right now in the fr- in the pantry, and that is going to be my new arcade snack. My God, oh hell yeah. You. See, it's just we're 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 two gross guys with our Vienna sausage. I'm gonna dip a Vienna sausage in some Skyline chili. Oh my goodness, that's the next episode. Are you kidding me? Okay, all right, everybody, please send in your hur- the best hurricane snacks you have. Uh, I want to start this conversation, and I, I I want the best ones because we're all we're all in this together. <laughs> sadly, so uh, please send them in. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Of course. Uh, thank you for sticking us after a week off. We will be back next week with Pasalaya and more fun. Uh, give us five stars wherever you rate us, wherever you listen, and uh, see you next week. <laughs>